0: Well, cast your mind uh, back to Tuesday morning, if you will, or uh, the Tuesday before that, if you had a half term uh, this week and uh, last Tuesday was not normal. Did you feel loved by God on Tuesday morning and one with the Lord Jesus? Will you feel that this coming Tuesday morning? We should do, shouldn't we? Have a look at verse 26 of our passage. It's on page 1085. John chapter 17, verse 26. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in, in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Okay, if that sounds like a pretty high bar, uh, how about at least feeling united uh, with other Christians, brothers and sisters? Have a look at verse 21. Uh, Jesus prays that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Well, if Jesus prayed these things, then why doesn't my Tuesday morning feel uh, a little different? Um, I don't know what you uh, will be doing this coming uh, Tuesday morning, uh, maybe some of you will be reacting uh, to uh, unexpected financial news from Asia that came in overnight and threatens to kind of put a hole in a major deal you're putting together. Uh, maybe you'll be in class and a teacher will be telling you off uh, for something that actually the person next to you did. Uh, maybe you'll be sitting waiting in a GP's uh, waiting room uh, after some concerning medical results. Or maybe you're actually that GP who knows what you're about to have to say to someone. Maybe you're a plumber and you've turned up uh, to fix someone's uh, heating and the cowboy before you has used completely the wrong diameter pipe and uh, the job is going to be an absolute nightmare. Maybe you're a parent on a bus and uh, it's a nightmare. Everyone around you is looking at you, wondering why can't you just keep that child under control? Now, those situations may feel like a world away from the father's love For his son being in us and the son himself dwelling in us. And a world away from being united with brothers and sisters as we face those situations often alone. So how can the fact that Jesus prayed this prayer for those things, how can that transform our Tuesday mornings? Because if you're a Christian here uh, today, that's exactly what's happening It's the night before uh, Jesus died on the cross, and he's praying. The whole chapter is a prayer. We've looked at it uh, for three weeks. Uh, First, he prays for himself, then for his first disciples, and then verse 20, he turns to pray for all who will believe through the uh, message of his first disciples. I said uh, last week that most of the time, uh, the Bible isn't sort of written first to us. Uh, We're not the first level of application But here, Jesus is praying for us. And the first thing that we need to see is this. Jesus desires our unity. Jesus desires our unity. What would you like, Jesus, to pray for you? Health and happiness? Peace and quiet? Effectiveness and fruitfulness? Here is Jesus using some of his last hours Uh, before the cross to pray for us, and he prays for our unity. Is that perhaps a surprise to us? In last week's passage, he uh, prayed uh, for the first disciples' protection and sanctification in the truth. Don't we need those? Uh, Well, of course we do, but Jesus desires our unity, and that is what he prays for. So what does that unity uh, look like? Firstly, it's unity uh, with each other that's the beginning of verse uh, 21 and it's there again in verse 22 isn't it that they may be one and it's there in verse 23 that they may be brought to complete unity we can't really miss it can we Jesus prays that everyone who believes in him should be one should be united now there are various ways to sort of create unity aren't there Uh, When Jesus was praying, the Roman Empire demanded uh, unity by sort of imposing the cult of the Roman Emperor. Everyone had to give him honour and loyalty, and that would sort of bring purpose, uh, a unity of purpose and heart. At the same time, there were sort of various uh, philosophical schools around who emphasised this idea of oneness, of unity, the oneness of humanity and the world in general, And we kind of see both versions uh, today, sort of in leader cults, in so-called kind of national values, in corporate identities. The unity that Jesus desires is so much deeper. It's based on his relationship with his father. Verse 21 again, they may be one just as you are in me and I am in you. And the same again at the end of verse 22. As we are one, it's a mind-blowing thought that Jesus chooses to use the unbreakable bonds of love that exist between the persons of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He uses those as the model for how I am to be united with you and you with me. Isn't that amazing? But it feels pretty impossible, uh, to me at least. But we see in the passage how it can be true. Our unity is not only modelled on the unity of God, it is based on our union with him. Uh, Did you spot that a few times in our passage? It's there in uh, verse 21. May they also be in us. Or verse 23, I in them and you in me. And verse 26, I myself may be in them. As each of us as individuals is drawn into the life of God by being united to him, by believing in him, we will be united with each other. Uh, It's a bit like a sports team or an orchestra. Um, As each player is united uh, with the captain or the conductor, they're brought into a team together, aren't they? Uh, They are A team with their fellow players. They're united to them. We are united to each other as we are united to Christ. Unless we forget that happens, verse uh, 22, as Jesus gives us his glory, uh, or verse 26, as he makes the Father known to us. We can trace both of those ideas back through uh, John's Gospel, uh, but they come together at the cross, as verses uh, 1 to 5 of this chapter uh, reminded us. And the result is that we will be with Jesus and see his glory, verse 24. We'll see how wonderful and majestic and loving and loved Jesus is. A love which he shares with us. And that's the landing point Of the prayer in verse 26, isn't it? This is the first way in which our unity, Jesus's prayer, transforms Tuesday mornings. Jesus desires our unity. He prays for it and he dies for it uh, so that we might be with him where he is. We have an unshakable future, of witnessing his glory. As you uh, sit at your desk uh, or visit your patients or do the weekly shop on Tuesday, remember this is your future. This is our future. Let me try and put some flesh uh, on the bones of this idea of glory by giving us uh, a little bit from uh, C.S. Lewis's famous sermon, The Weight of Glory. Uh, Lewis says that glory is not fame conferred by our fellow creature, but fame with God, approval, or might I say, appreciation by God. The promise of glory is the promise, almost incredible and only possible by the work of Christ, that some of us, that any of us who really chooses, shall actually survive that examination by God, shall find approval, shall please God. For glory meant good report with God, acceptance by God, response, acknowledgement, and welcome into the heart of things. We would do well uh, this week to spend some time reflecting on that. Our union with Jesus means that we receive his glory. We experience the approval that the Son deserves. You can say to yourself on Tuesday morning, Jesus has given us his glory. I am a beloved child of God. But there are other ways in which uh, Jesus' desire for our glory applies uh, to us. Uh, Jesus prays for it, and so it is true. Uh, We're sitting here, we who are sitting here uh, this evening, uh, we're united to every other Christian. Uh, past, present, and future. Uh, That means that next Sunday, as we have World Mission Sunday, uh, we are in unity with all the Christians that we're talking about, uh, no matter where they are around the world, whether they're in uh, Vienna or or London or many of the other places where we have mission partners. This is not a choice. It's a fact. Uh, Failing to grasp that and failing uh, to live it out... Uh, That is going against something that Jesus prayed for. Um, I have a book that calls this prayer in uh, John 17, The Only Unanswered Prayer of Jesus. Uh, The theory was that uh, because it's sort of perfectly obvious from looking around uh, at the church around the world, from the fact that it, it is not united, but in fact deeply divided with denominations and free churches doing their own thing, Uh, then this prayer of Jesus can't have been answered. Uh, The book was therefore a call to unity. A bit like the call to unity uh, that I have just made. Except that here, the unity that Jesus prays for and expects in John 17 is defined by Jesus. Um, Throughout the prayer, it is Jesus who reveals who the Father is. It is explicitly in the word and in the truth, verse 17, and in the apostles' message, verse 20. It is a unity that uh, those who believe and those who are truly committed with Christ have. That unity cannot be broken, uh, but it also can't be faked or forced. Some of the discussion about the future of the Church of England um, has used John chapter 17, particularly uh, tonight's passage, uh, to say that we can't divide, we must walk together. As if verse 17 doesn't actually exist, wasn't there. Jesus and his apostles would have none of that. Jesus defines our unity just as he desires it. And that's so wonderful. Uh, that's why it's so wonderful if you get the chance to visit Christians uh, overseas who come from very different backgrounds, whose church families look uh, very different uh, from our own, but who love Jesus and his Word. For example, I've uh, experienced a real sense of unity with brothers and sisters uh, when I visited a Kazakh house church or a South African fellowship in Soweto. We have real unity with our brothers and sisters. Jesus desires that. Now that is uh, incredible. And if we uh, stop there, I think we would have enough meat to feed us for a long time. Uh, but there is more. Jesus also tells us the purpose of our unity. Um, as we said, uh, and as you can see from the boat, we've had a holiday club here this week. Uh, we've had over 100 children each day um, in here. And the leaders, they worked so, so hard watching them. It was amazing. And they did that because they knew the purpose for which uh, they were working. They knew why they were doing it. They knew why they were running around. They knew why they were uh, making fools of themselves often, tidying up after the children, being patient uh, with them. They did it because they wanted uh, those children to know the only true God and his son, Jesus Christ, and how much God loves them. Knowing our purpose really helps when things are difficult. Throughout this section, uh, Jesus links one purpose with another. Uh, I don't know if you you noticed it, but we get the word so that or that seven times in just our verses. Uh, Jesus has a goal a reason he desires our unity, and it's this. Jesus desires that the world knows his love. If you were here uh, last week, you may remember we thought a lot about the world. We said that on the one hand, uh, it was humanity's rejection of Jesus as God's son, and all that means for how uh, we live. And on the other hand, uh, we said it's the object, the world is the object of God's love and the place, or rather the people, that he has come to save. It's the place that the disciples lived in and were sent out into, verse 18. And it's the place that we live in now, isn't it? We live in the world. Jesus desires that the world know his love. Look at verse 21 with me. May they also be in us. Why? so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Or verse 23, I in them and you in me, so that, same word again, they may be brought into complete unity. Then, same word for so that, the world will know you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus wants the world to know his love. The same love that he has for his people. The same love that the father lavishes on the son. Or verse 25, the world doesn't know the father, but Jesus wants them to. In fact, it's this desire for the world to know Jesus that prompts John to write his gospel. Towards the end of the book, uh, we read this. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. If you're sitting here and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, thank you so much for joining us. Please see that Jesus desires that you might come to know his love. Uh, the privileges that we've touched on of being one of his people, of being united with brothers and sisters, uh, they can be yours. Um, If you'd like to find out more about uh, who this Jesus is and why he can claim to share the Father's love uh, with us, then read more of uh, John's Gospel. Um, If you came with a Christian friend, turn to them at the end and say, I would like to read episode one of John's Gospel. Uh, they can pick up uh, one of these. Um, If their face doesn't sort of break out into comprehension and delight, uh, then uh, ask them to come to the Connect Corner and I can help them uh, pick one of these up and know uh, what it's about. Uh, John chapter one, uh, just the very beginning of uh, John's uh, gospel. Um, If you uh, didn't actually come uh, with a Christian friend, uh, then don't worry. Again, come to the Connect Corner and we'd love to connect you up uh, with someone. For those of us who are uh, Jesus' followers, what difference does this make uh, to our Tuesday morning? Well, we know our purpose. Uh, Yes, it is uh, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Uh, But more, uh, by our unity, we witness to the world about God's love. Uh, And that's our, our third point. Jesus desires our witness. Uh, Really, here, we're just driving home uh, the implication of our first two points. Uh, God, in his sovereign goodness, has decided to bring the world to know his love and believe in his son by showcasing our unity, to use our witness. And that's a consistent pattern through the Bible, uh, particularly the New Testament. Think of Romans or Ephesians or the pastoral epistles or John's own letters, Uh, the Bible sees that there isn't much greater witness to how powerful God must be uh, than the fact that he has managed to unite uh, selfish people like us, uh, whether we're sort of rampant individualists or fervent community defenders. So simply remembering on Tuesday morning who we are, that we are one with Christ and one with another, one another, that is a witness We live as those transformed by Christ's love. But as we close, let me uh, suggest uh, two more ways that these truths that we've thought about will make a difference uh, to our lives. Um, The first is uh, tonight. Uh, We're about to share the Lord's Supper uh, together, aren't we? Uh, Communion. It's a a visible expression of our union uh, with Christ as we receive uh, tokens of his death and passion. And it's an expression of our bonds of love with one another, our bonds of unity as we receive together at the one table as brothers and sisters who are dogs not worthy to eat the crumbs that fall from the Lord's table, but who have become beloved sons and daughters. As we take communion together Uh, Let's remember that. And at the end of the meal, the end of our formal time together, let's act as a family who are actually united. That means not rushing off, uh, not only going off to find our friends uh, wherever they are. Uh, We met uh, Wanyeki and Mary uh, at the service last week. Uh, It's wonderful to have them uh, with us. Uh, they came to speak to the staff team uh, this week about various issues, and they said lots of challenging things. One of them was this. Uh, What do you think it communicates to the person next to you if at the end of the service, having sort of sat next to them and prayed next to them, sung next to them, listened next to them, what does that communicate if we then ignore them at the end? This evening, we could even add, what does it communicate if we shared the bread and the wine together and then ignore them. We are united to one another. Jesus prayed that it would be so. Let's act like it tonight. The second uh, application is similar. Um, Last week, we saw um, the importance of the sort of Bible bit of our life groups, that we need to take that seriously. Uh, That came out of the idea that it's the Bible, God's word, uh, which keeps us safe and keeps us united. Um, And I'm standing by that. But alongside that, I want to say, uh, do I take the life bit of the life group uh, seriously enough? Or do I just turn up uh, for the study and then I rush off? Um, Do I view the other people in my life group as sort of a means to an end to help me work out what's going on Uh, in the Bible, and then maybe the occasional prayer request? Or are we taking time to get to know the people in our life group uh, well, in and around the times that we meet together, and at other times? What do I know about the people in my life group? What do they know about me? Um, Again, Wanyeki reminded uh, the staff team uh, that for many who sort of define themselves primarily uh, by uh, their community then the idea of a life group being transactional, what I can get out of it, uh, that is deeply troubling and basically offensive. Um, I grew up in an individualistic uh, society. But it isn't hard to see which one better reflects John 17, is it? Uh, There's definitely much uh, for people like me to reflect on when it comes to what the true unity that Jesus desires actually looks like. Okay, picture Tuesday morning with me one more time. What difference would it make uh, if our Sunday evenings and our involvement in our life groups looked a bit more like what I've just described? Well, I think we would have the knowledge that we're part of a community that reflects Christ's love and that cares for one another by praying for one another. Imagine the witness that would be uh, to the world. Uh, a world in desperate need of God's love. Imagine your colleague uh, turned to you and asked how you kept your head when all others around you were losing theirs. And you could say, well, I know who I am. I know I am one with Christ. And I know that I'm one with my brothers and sisters who pray for me for exactly times such as this. That is a witness, isn't it? We have a mission and we have a purpose in the world while we wait for Jesus uh, to bring us home. In John 17, Jesus prays that glory would come uh, to him through his death and so reflect back to his father. He prays for the protection and holiness of his followers through the word that he gave to his first disciples. And he prays that we might be one, so that the world might know God's love for them through our witness. Shall we pray that that might be true now? Our Father, we praise you so much for our Lord Jesus. Thank you for the words recorded In John 17, we praise you that glory did come to him through the cross and that glory is his forever. Thank you that you protected those first disciples so that we have your words. And we pray now that we would join in his prayer and we would pray that we would be one so that the world might know your love through our witness. Please, Father, make us one. Help us to act like that. In his name we pray. Amen.